Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. This episode is part of a longer interview I conducted with Jamak Degani, who's the founder of the Data Mesh Concept and is sponsored by her, her company, her startup, Next Data. The goal of these conversations is to dig deeper into specific topics rather than skimming the surface and really discuss Schmack's view of the now and the future of Data Mesh. What is possible now? What can we do to set ourselves up for success in the, in the future? And what is our ideal picture in that future once we have the ways of working and the tooling more figured out? Hopefully, you get some great insights as well as seeing the other side of the funny and wonderful person behind the Data Mesh paradigm. Please do follow Jamak as well for more interesting insights to keep an eye out on what she is working on. I think you'll be very interested and exciting. Now, up next, I'll give a bit of my summary of the episode, so you might focus on a few of the nuanced points that Jamak makes. Sometimes she says some things that are kind of like a picture, right? Worth a thousand words in and of themselves, even when she says one sentence. So with that, uh, let's go ahead and hear some fun music, and then we'll get into that summary. Max Corner number 19, an AI ML future without so much needless complexity. This episode is part of the greater AI and ML conversation I had with Jamak. To start, Jamak recognizes we aren't where we want to be in terms of capabilities, you know, ways of working or tooling to make kind of her vision a reality just yet. But if we can make it so data scientists can trust and easily consume from data products, that we can create data products that don't care what use case type there is, right? Regular analytics or AI or ML. Can we remove a lot of the complexity they face? Do they need feature stores for data they aren't transforming? If they can get continued access and know the quality, why create a separate process that has fragility instead of trust the data product owners upstream. I wasn't smart enough in the moment to, to ask about, do we need to have a copy of the training data itself for reproducibility? But folks smarter than you know me on ML uh, can answer that one, probably in the affirmative. But overall, there is a lot of complexity in the way we do AI and ML because data scientists can't trust the sources of their data. You know, and they feel the need to take control because if they don't, their models will surely break. So we need to earn their trust and show them a better way. But again, we aren't there yet. So let's work to make this a reality in the future. I think you'll learn a lot from this one. Okay, with that shortest summary of the episode done, let's go ahead and get to actually hearing from the woman herself, Shmak Degani.
as organizations become, I guess, more sophisticated with machine learning modeling and data science built in into the functions. Now we have this other divide, which is the divide between data engineers and people that produce the raw data or model data, and then people that consume them for a machine learning model. And what happens right now is we have a ton of, we try to have rigor, whether it's data mesh or not data mesh around data discoverability and data governance and security But the moment that data crosses the wall into the data science world, just put it in the feature store and it's wild, wild west. And it's hard to protect, it's hard to govern. And very, very quickly, we're just going to get ourselves into the same problem that we're today with upstream data. So either we have to say, like, no, these two worlds are so, so different that we shall invent yet another system for getting some order <laughs> um, and, and also remove pain points that occur over time. Or we say, is it just the same thing? Like why a feature set that is used for training one or mach- multiple, it has to be more than one for it to be worthy of data products. So I agree that not every single data set is a, is a data product, but when there is a feature set that is being used by tra- for training much multiple machine learning um, ML models, how is that any different from data product? Doesn't it need to be discoverable? Doesn't it need to be understandable? Doesn't it need to be like that dove units? Like, what is it so different? And I'm struggling to say, how is that any different? And so far, maybe we haven't had that problem pronounced because we don't have that many data scientists. We have the data scientist team is still maybe relative to other data users, maybe we're smaller, uh, the data sharing and just um, the, the, the chaos of piling data into feature stores and the pipelines that do that, you know, haven't become as, as um, hairy and unruly that we haven't paid attention to it, but we're going to get there very quickly. So then why being a data product why, why shouldn't it be? If it has multiple users, it's being shared, why should it be something else than a data product? Yeah, I think a question that I, I have is, is it just repeating work, right? Is it just aggregating or if there's transformation, if there's additional value, yeah. then I, I see that it should be in there. But if it's not, then you just kind of almost create a signpost to go and exactly. you should consume from this. It's, but I, I like a lot of what you're saying there of like, and, and you talked about this earlier of the data can't protect itself in an earlier episode about if it goes into this and then you lose all trust once it's gotten into the data science, uh, you know, realm, then what is the point of doing all this stuff for data if you can't, trust it. Like it just doesn't make sense. And so, yeah, I I think that that makes a whole lot of sense. So so I think in many cases, uh, the feature sets of feature store or a separate data product for features become redundant. The reason it become redundant is once we have the systems, right? I don't, I don't pretend that we have the technology right now, but once you have this multimodal access to the data, um, to the data products, one of those act types of access are tuned for training machine learning models, right? They are feature oriented, they are columnar oriented. 
And because data products have a set of SLOs and guarantees in terms of understandability, discoverability, trust, and so on, quality, and so on, very likely the downstream you know, data science workload need to do very little to, to create yet another feature. So, so they directly use those upstream data products. They directly feed them into their machine training um, pipelines. Of course, the libraries may, may need to uh, be extended, and we, we are actually at next data work on that, to, to have these multiple sources that are data products and that data comes to them. So, so in fact, uh, and, and go into the training uh, functions, so in fact, uh, majority of the cases, we don't have to create this feature store um, uh, mode of a data product because just directly we use upstream. But in some cases that, let's say the data came as some random text and you want to do some sentiment analysis before it, before you can yet do another training on top of it. So you actually adding uh, some value or some derived insight or derived information. And in that case, uh, yes. And if that's part of your feature store, then that transformation needs to belong to a data product you know, in a way. So, so I mean, this is, is fascinating. And I, and I think one question I would have around that is, do, do you think that we start to have, uh, AB and AMRO talked about this a little bit, but about recipes, right? Where you just go, instead of, I am cooking the dish for you. It's, hey, here's the recipe that I used to train this. And you're just going to be sharing the rest. It's kind of, you know, libraries or things like that. It's not like I'm sharing the code. I'm sharing the thing that makes it so here, I'm going to show you exactly what I did. And if you want to make it, if you want to change it, great. But like that we almost have the feature store evolve into that when, when it makes sense, then you're going to store some of the data. But if you're not doing anything to it exactly, we just need the signposts as to this is this is what other people have done, and you can start to do recommendation engines around. Hey, here's what other people are consuming from when they're working on this, and things like. Do you think that's going to be kind of where a lot of the feature store work ends up being? I think so. I think um, if if we think rationally and linearly, um, that would be the rational next step, right? Um, once you have these boundaries of data products and APIs of those, those APIs over time can become more and more tuned into the recipes of, um, uh, you know, machine learning model workloads and analytical workloads. So instead of sharing raw data, you share the interface that allows you to pass your recipe and, and get the value that you want the out- output of that function, right? You run the recipe on the data product and re- return the output. Or, or even, um, you know, the data product downstream becomes just ask me the questions that you become more and more intelligent. Like just ask me the question that you have, and I'll, I'll have the I have the recipe to a- to answer that. So, so I think that's a rational next step that I see happens. But who knows? Maybe we. We disrupt our thinking in in some creative way that I can't imagine right now, and the world look completely different. But if I think about it linearly, absolutely. Yeah, and so I think wrapping up on this kind of general topic of AI and ML in that space, one question I, w- I would have is when somebody is starting out and they're thinking on their data mesh journey, 
Um, you're probably not going to go and say, hey, ML team, you're, you're going to be the first one to produce a data product. We want to serve you and, and produce. So like, how, how do you see that evolution happening? Or when do you think that is it that as you get bigger and bigger, you're going to start to bring them more and more into that concept of data as a product and you're going to get them ready for it? Or, or how would you see that like work at the start and then it kind of goes forward? Yeah, I've actually gone through this experience before. I We started as building the data platform to serve the analysts and data scientists and then bringing the data scientists into the fold of being part of the mesh, essentially. So it's 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 a very tall order to say um, data scientists change the way you work and um, become a data producer and provide the guarantees that you want right now on top of everything else that you're doing. Um, I think the, the initial gap or the bridge that we have to build is get data scientists level up their expectations from data, frankly, and lower the, the busy work that they're doing, lower the expectation for the busy work that they have to do to directly consume data products. Um, so there is an assumption. There's an, remember we talked about that mistrust in previous episodes. Right now, by default, data scientists or any other data consumer, they have this posture that I don't trust the data. I, even if I get access to it, I don't know if I lose that access tomorrow. Just give it the damn data and I will copy it and I'll put it in my own you know, feature store and then I'm free. You know, I have, I have a sense of control and freedom and I, and I know that I have to do a ton of work to cleanse that data and make sense of it and make it look nice in a way that I can use it. So we've got to change that initially. We've got to create that bridge for people to trust. So give them high, give data scientists high quality data product, give them the interfaces that they want. Don't tell them you've got to go to use, write a bunch of SQL queries to use this data. No, no, give them the parquet interface that they love, connect the data products to the, the pandas or sparks, whatever you know, libraries they use, um, get them to trust the whole the system as a whole so they don't have to do that the extra busy work. And once that's done, and once they've seen the value of um, using data as a product, then they take the bar further up and say, well, you know, we just produced this model that sits in the flow of the data and it produces this other data drive data sets, like all this scoring that you did. Why shouldn't that be a data product? So now let's give you the tool. You don't have to do a lot of extra work, but deploy your ML model in the context of a data product and add the additional rigor and discipline of sharing the metadata to make your data understandable and uh, and so on and plug into the to the rest of the ecosystem. I think that's probably the path that I see or I at least have seen work. So thanks again to Jamak. As a reminder, please check out her startup, Next Data. There's more information about it in the show notes. They're doing some pretty amazing things. She's hiring lots of folks looking to partner with others and just kind of check it out. And as for me, please do follow up with me as well. I'm pretty easy to find. I'd love to chat data mesh or anything kind of in the data realm. Check out datameshunderstanding.com for more information, some useful resources and things as well. And Jamak and I both wish you an excellent rest of your day. Now with that, let's cue that inspiring outro music.